Conversations Podcast, powered by Just Talk and Lisa Listen. What say you, Lisa Listen? I am just over here vibing so hard and can't wait for you to welcome our fantastic special guest today. He is so fantastic that I'm taking off my oculos, that's uh, glasses in Spanish. I'm gonna, I've got to put on some different glasses. I've got to put on some prescription shades. The future's and so bright, you've got to wear it shades. It is so is bright. That what we're talking it, it, about here. That's really that's one way to look at it. But another way is that this cat is so cool, he's going to bright. He's gonna be so bright and such a light. I, I don't want him to, 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 to just turn off the lights when I come in, so i got a little shade action. All right, all right, I'll take all him right. off, but first I want to welcome him in with, with cool and coolness, because that is what he is. Yes, indeed. Fair I'm enough. All in, Jess. Let's who, do this thing. We'll do it. We're going to do it right now. And who we're talking about is Louis Gossett Jr. Woo! And he is absolutely amazing. Here you are, Lou. Welcome to the program. We, we've got a lot to talk about in a half hour of power, sir. Yeah, talk fast. Hi, Lisa. Hi, Jesse. Hey, <laughs> welcome, welcome, Lou. And yeah. how, how do you like how do you like the coolness, man? Because we brought this on for you. This is pretty cool. You know, the water fountain is going. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, yeah. Fair enough, fair enough. Well, we're going to start with a bit of a bio first. So, Lisa, tell us about Lou. Tell us and those listening and watching about Lou. So, they most folks, most folks do know him, but the ones that don't, he, there's some cool things in that bio. Let's there is, it. there is indeed. Louis Gossett Jr. was born in Brooklyn, New York in 1936. He decided to pursue his acting career, making his Broadway debut at age 17 in the production Take a Giant Step. Nice. In 1959, he was featured alongside Sidney Poitier and Ruby Dee in Lorraine Hansberry's A Raisin in the Sun, which, by the way, Lou, Jesse and I watched last weekend, and we'll talk about that coming up soon. Absolutely phenomenal, sir. And after almost six decades of acting, Lewis has appeared in over 350 Film and TV titles, including Skin Game, Travels with My Aunt, The Laughing Policeman, The Deep, Jaws 3D, Enemy Mind, and the Eagle uh, Iron Eagle series, and Toy Soldiers. In recognition of his talents, he's received numerous acting awards, including the Academy Award for his unforgettable performance as Gunnery Sergeant Emil Foley in An Officer and a Gentleman. Yes, Woo! yes, 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 yes. You know who you look a little like, though, Lou. Don't take this the wrong way. You look a little like Donna Summer. Summer. You work hard for the money. <laughs> yes. Ah. He is the first African-American male to win a supporting role. He has earned an Emmy Award for his portrayal of Fiddler in Roots. Although Gossett is still working in films and TV with recent roles in Madam Secretary, nice. the, the BET miniseries, The Book of Negroes, and a reoccurring role in the CBS TV series, Ex Extent. He Extent. is. How do you say it, Lou? Extent. Okay. okay. He, he is primarily dedicating the last quadrant of his life to an all-out conscious offensive against racism, violence, ignorance, and social apathy. As such, Gossett founded Lewis Gossett Jr.'s Eracism Foundation to support this quest. And which you're we sporting it, Lou. You're sporting it. And guess what? So are we, Lou. Y you're looking. You're looking good, Lou. Thank you, sir. Now, can you can you see? Can you can you tell we're sporting the uh, Eracism Foundation gear as well? Well, I just I need an injection on my eyes so I can see through this blank screen. <laughs> <laughs> well, the rest of the folks can see that we're representing, right, Lou? That's right. That's right. So all three of us. <laughs> so it's all good it's all good so with that being said lou that is an ex that is an extensive body of work 
You yeah, do not look fatigued. It's, it's, it's been a long time. It has been. And it's, and it's at its height even now. I can, so when, you think about it, it's really a long time. It's quite a lot of stuff. It is. Six, you're talking over six decades. Yeah. That's oh, what you're I just got it. <laughs> <laughs> well, my question to you before we on from the bio, of all of that impressive bio, mm-hmm. of all of those roles, this may be difficult, not for you probably, which one of those roles do you feel best represents the quality of character that you are? Well, you know what? Uh, I, I, I go through a humbling exercise. You know, I can say uh, a fiddler. I could say uh, Officer Jones. Right. Sadat. I could say anybody. Right. right. But for, for sanity and humility, it's the next job I'm going to get. There you go. <laughs> there you go. In other words, in other words, you have respect for what you've done, right? Yeah. But you also have respect for where you're going. and Book of Negroes. That's the last big thing I did. And whatever's next, you put all of it and the sum total of all your years and all your experience into the next job. Well said. That's a great way to look at that. What do you think of that, Liz? I love it. I really do. And I can't wait to uh, check it out. Well, here's the deal. Then with that being said, let's slide over to the book. Because this book, and I'm going to hold this up for the camera for the people can see. An actor and a gentleman, this is an outstanding book. Lisa and I actually read the book out loud together to one another, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. You read that first chapter? <laughs> the, the first chapter is, you came hitting hard in the first chapter. Tell us about that first chapter, the inspiration yeah. for that. I come, from a, I come from an after-depression society that okay. made history in the United States. Okay. All through the eastern seaboard, specifically in the Brooklyn, Long Island, the Bronx, and uh, Manhattan, uh, it was right after the Depression. Nobody had a whole lot of money. People had jumped out of windows. And uh, so there was a blacklist happening. Estes Kifavo was going after the, the blacklist as a somewhat communist people. And the, the actor's studio, John Garfield, everybody was running and changing their names. And there was a sympathetic board of education by the name of uh, William Jansen, who's a superintendent of the board of education in New York. And he took all of these people in. Some of them were science professors and Latin professors. And they went to the boondocks of New York City. And I had Latin teachers in fifth grade. Yes. yes. And, and I grew up with their children. Mm. Yes. Long story right. short, those children of those brilliant people became Arthur Miller, Barbara Streisand, nice. uh, Neil Simon, Louis Gossett Jr., Sandy Colfax, mm-hmm. Carol King. And we became a renaissance of art and medicine. And we became uh, very homogeneous. We became the hippies and became the hippies. But we wanted no war. We wanted peace, and we wanted to be together as a country. And at that particular time, it was uh, not good for J. Edgar Hoover. So it was broken up. Right. But right. those people created Broadway and the early movies, the Ilya Kazans, the Garfields, the Brandos, the, all of these guys created a wonderful renaissance. And that's my background. So fade out, fade in. Those same people came and sent me to uh, Los Angeles in 1966 in, in first class, um, presidential suite at the Beverly Hills yes. Hotel. Yes. And he told me I had a, a car waiting for me at Crescent Heights. Mm-hmm. That's about a 20-minute drive from the Beverly Hills Hotel to the Crescent Heights and back and forth. So I got into the Ford Fairlane Galaxy 500, red with a white interior, white with red interior. I put on Sam Cooke music, and I started <laughs> coasting down Sunset Boulevard. <laughs> cool. And a half hours. <laughs> To get to the hotel, I met every every Rod Steiger character on the police force I think of five. Wow, wow, wow! You know what? That that's that is something. That is the first day. That is the that is a huge challenge. And and the book says that nearly brought you to your knees. You made a call home to the parents, 
Yeah, As I recall in the right. books, you're ready to go home. I'm in Beverly Hills. You need to come here and tell me. I'd be right there. <laughs> wow, that's that's phenomenal. When we read that part in the book, Lise, what resonated with you to to hear and see and feel that Lou had those kind of troubles early, right out of the gates after kicking it on Broadway. And that night, of course, uh, I went out to see the movie Stars Homes, and they handcuffed me to a tree for three hours. Yeah, we for read that. Three hours. Now, now during that three-hour handcuffing, what was running through your mind? To get out of that, to pick the tree up off its roots. Yeah, to I'm sure. In his hotel, and to go to the black neighborhood, and from the black neighborhood to the airport. Wow. So now that, and what was driving that was stone cold fear, was it yeah. not? With the capital F. Yeah fear, yeah, fear fear of the unknown. By the way, you're wearing that medallion. We've seen that a few times. Is there a reference to that medallion that you're wearing as well? Put it on the website. This particular one is for spiritual strength. Nice. The mandala. What's the composite of it? What's it made of? I don't know what it's made of. It's just, uh, it's got silver, or streaks in it and stuff, and it's hypnotic. And what it does is, it, it's so far, everybody who sees it calms down so we can have a nice conversation. Nice. Just like this. <laughs> but you know what? You Here's what you are to me, Lou. You are truly a renaissance man. Yes. And that's a Well, I don't have to tell you because you just spoke of but a renaissance man to me goes back into those ages when they were, that one man was a scientist and an astronomer and a doctor and an artist. In other words, he had, he had multiple skill sets at the highest level because yeah. since I've known you over the last 15 years, I've seen you demonstrate multiple skill levels at the highest level, and I would call you definitely a renaissance man. Well, all of us became that. You know, we all became that. The, the, the Idia Kazans, uh, the, uh, you know, the Carol Kings, and, the, and Arthur Millers, obviously, and all those particular people. We, we learned from one another. Very much so. I, li I liked at least you had a question about how, how he came up with the book, right? Yes, Lou. How, what, uh, what inspired you to title the book An Actor and a Gentleman? Well, somebody else uh, did that. I think it was my ghostwriter did that, Phyllis Karras. Okay. There's a couple of things, and they chose that. So I have to stay out of the, the, the ego-filling thing, so they chose that. Okay, so, fair enough. What and, things had come to a head, all kinds of stuff. It's like the Piggy Lee song, Is That All There Is? It's not all. The, you know what? I like that. And then there's another saying that says it's not – typically, it's not really – it's not always about what it's about. Right. You, you get to a certain point, and, 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 and you're full of certain things that are truth, some are lies. A lot of flotsam and jessam and garbage are in your head and your heart, and you reach a, a place where you're about to explode. And in order to continue on, you got to get rid of it. Very nice. Very. You got to let go. You got to let it go. And, and I saw I let it all go, all the poisons and all the stuff into the book. I love it. I love it. I love it. Lisa, there's someone in the chat room that wants to say something to or about Lou. Yes, uh, Beth. You said that you like the word eracism. Did Lou coin the word eracism? No, I didn't coin the word racism, but it was uh, invented in New Orleans by the Choctaw Society that's trying to get equality for the Choctaw and the Cajuns and outside of New Orleans. Choctaw Indians. Storefront organization called Eracism. Okay. And then, okay. I, I, then that's it. I forgot about it. And it's an unlicensed place. And then one night I was driving in front of SC, the University of Southern California. There was a young black kid selling T-shirts with an eracism T-shirt on. Nice. I made nice. a U-turn and bought them all. Nice, nice. This time was not like this. It was a, it's called eracism with an ever heart favor eraser, starting to erase the word. For sure. That was the first one. And that's when it started over 10 years ago. 
Wow, that's pretty incredible. Um, I, I I totally like that. It's 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 well that you've adopted that, and it well, works very well. Does that that answer it for yes, Beth, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank I you. Thank explain you. those police that handcuffed me to the tree. I can explain what's happening in South Carolina. I think I can get through that to get to the next level. So, but being an elder, I need to hopefully get that to the next uh, young people to know that uh, the anatomy of the so-called enemy of racism is more than black and white. It's it's in the DNA of all of us. Well said, well said, and I believe that 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 the whole racism thing is not something you're born with; it's something you're taught. Oh well, yeah, it's something you're taught, and, and and it's the way to go. It's been done that way for centuries, and, and handed down. And handed down from from one to another, and but for certain advantages, certain things that withheld, certain piece of information that withheld, so that you could keep control. It is the Napoleon, King George, Henry VIII philosophy. It comes from all old civilizations, from the from the Vikings, from Genghis Khan. It's the way to do it. I absolutely. It's yeah. it's unbelievable though. The in the book, an actor and a gentleman. I found, uh, Lisa and I found. We we first I didn't do anything, but. I start finding unbelievable identical matches to the circumstances that you write about in the book. I'm not going to tell them all because I want people to go and get the book. In fact, while you're watching or listening to this program, do go and get the book and go to the Eracism Foundation website to get the book. .org. Say it, Liz. EracismFoundation.org. Thank you, Liz. Okay, come there on. That's go. why she's here, Lou. Come on now. And so or that's so the only I, reason, Jess. That's no. That's come one on. good reason. That's one good looking Lou. Lou knows. And Woo. so no, I want you. I want you listening. Uh, those people that are listening and watching this program to go and get this book. It's 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 it was so compelling. Not just because I related to it so well. It was so compelling because fully ninety percent of the things you write about in there of challenging incidents that help you grow to become this powerful Renaissance man that you are. Those identical things happened to me in Northern Nevada, Reno, and Hawthorne, Nevada. It's global. It's global. It's more than black and white. I've made a pact with uh, Phyllis Karras, who, who's my ghostwriter. We got five more chapters and an addendum to the book. So nice. It would, it would help the people to buy the book and then order the addendum. I love that. I love what you said. Looks like you guys want us in the chat well, room, Liz. We have Madeline that says we can change racism with education, and Julie wants to know, Lou, how do you specifically plan to change it? Well, uh, it's a humble contribution, but it, it's it's like the philosophy: the, the the smallest thing on the planet is the atom. But you know what happens when you split it. Oh, well said. Mm-hmm. So, oh, so I want a center. It's a synagogue complex. It's a center, it's called the Shamba Center. And I'm starting with one, hopefully within the next six months it'll be open at the Challenges Club for Boys and Girls on 51st in Vermont. It's already built. Um, and uh, I want, uh, in Los Angeles, which is one of the cities most famous for its diversity, I'm asking two children between teenagers of eight and 15 to be sent to the center. Nice. nice. It's a synagogue complex, apart and aside from school. It's called Education Before Education. This education used to happen in the homes and the neighborhoods. It does not happen anymore. Okay. So let's put that education back with two from Korea, two from Japan, two blacks, two Latinos, two French, two everything in one place. And the curriculum is um, dress code, okay. Okay. hygiene, yes. Yes. Um, respect for the elder and knowledge of your culture and one another's, okay. respect for the opposite sex, physical fitness. Nice. Spirituality, and a major thing called conflict resolution, where you can agree to disagree, go to blows about it. I and love these it. university professors who are going to have a meeting in the next week or so, they have the curriculum of those lessons, those lectures, and those games where they need each other in order to win. 
Well said. You know what? That reminds me of your cousins and relatives back in back east in New York that protected you from all the the gangs and the fights and all that stuff. To, to, right? All of us survived because the family was there to keep us straight. The village. You had the power of the village. You know, with that being said, that pretty much releases it for her, don't you think? Absolutely. And so, so in, all responsible in the neighborhood. The elders are always responsible for the children, whether theirs or not. You don't do that here. Well said. I love that. I love that. One Liz. more thing. Do you plan to take eracism city to city? Because we could certainly use it here in Las Vegas. From the model, from the model to the country. Wow, I love it. You know That's what? Concept, ironically, not ironically, but fortunately, we found out, at, at, I spoke at the United Nations, and it came to me and said, you know, you built this place for world peace, and it's not number one on your agenda today. Okay. And okay. silence. So now I'm invited there once a year to speak at the General Assembly and I'm part of UNICEF. So it's the same concept again. Yes. It's the same concept. And the bottom line is if we're not taking care of our children, and we're not taking care of this planet, which is about to die, then we all may as well be in a 747 airplane. Yes. Yes. And everybody's in the plane, but the plane's about to crash. But everybody inside the plane is fighting over who's going to be in first class. <laughs> wow. That's an amen. Yeah. Is that, is that powerful? Yes. And, and Julie, who's in our chat room, her father was named after Jack Daly Elementary. She said they have an actual conflict resolution person on site at their school. It's essential. Wow, yes. that's unbelievable. You know what what that what that sparks for me is that we want to reward uh some some two fine people on this program today. Number one, with a copy of your signed autograph book which we we diligently wanted to purchase. We purchased books from you in the past. Uh-huh. We'll continue to purchase books for, from you in the future. We'll see if we can negotiate your the signature thing to get maybe a discount on when you sign them or not. I'm just kidding about that. <laughs> the minority you, discount, you, as you I want the minority say. discount, my brother. <laughs> That's a language. <laughs> <laughs> so, but anyway, we're going to give one of these away. Lisa, tell us how they're going to they're going to get first uh, your copy a copy of your book signed, and they're going to get a copy of How You Leave Them Feeling. Our book, my book, which you also wrote the forward to. Tell us, Liz. We are going to judge who had the most relevant question. Okay. And the the best engagement. Okay. And we will determine that at about 525, who the winners of these books okay, go good. to. Okay, good. So p- pay attention. Get involved. Get engaged. We've got the power, uh, the powerhouse, Louis Gossett Jr. on the line here. And Louis, tell me this. You had a passage you want to share with us. You wanted to read a little something from yeah. for, uh, for it's us. It's something we all know. Okay. And maybe sometimes it's, it's, it's to our disadvantage if we know it too much by heart because you don't realize what we're saying. Okay. And this was sent to me, and it was done on uh, Facebook. You can get it yourself. Red Skeleton. Okay. A comedian said it, and I wrote it down. Uh, it's the Pledge of Allegiance. And he got there, and the rest is explanatory. Let me, let me, uh, let me read it to you, and then uh, we'll talk about it when I'm finished. Okay. Okay. Right? okay. You know, I pledge allegiance and all of that. Yes. Okay, so I, me, an individual, a committee of one, pledge, dedicate all my worldly gods to give without self-pity. Allegiance, my love and my devotion to the flag, our standard, old glory, a symbol of freedom. Wherever she waves, there's respect because your loyalty has given her dignity that shouts, freedom is everybody's job. United, that means that we have all come together. States of America, individual communities that have united into 40, 50 great states. 
50 individual communities with pride and dignity and purpose, all divided with imaginary boundaries. And government is the people, and it's from the people to the leaders, not the leaders to the people. Oh, I got, I, I understand, and it's love for the country. And to the republic, uh, and to the republic, republic of which I said that, for which it stands, one nation, one nation meaning so blessed by God. Mm. Indivisible, incapable of being divided. With liberty, which is freedom, the right of power to live one's own life without threats, fear, or some sort of retaliation. And justice, the principle or qualities of dealing fairly with one another. For all, which means boys and girls, is as much as your country as it is mine. Wow. So now we say that. Yes. Uh, I remember when I was a kid saying, and I used to think it was the flag of a man by the name of Richard Stans. I said, who's Richard Stans? I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the Republic for Richard Stans. <laughs> I realize it's for which it stands. <laughs> when I see this, then I remember the Lord's Prayer. And I'm going to speak in, uh, in Baton Rouge at this Bible school that's graduating. When we pray, our Father, how definite and how deep that really is when we know what we're saying. So now I'm looking at every kind of prayer and every kind of motto, and I take it personally. Wow. And wow. So it's changed my life. This one red skeleton thing has changed my life to reinvestigate why I pray and how I pray and what I know what I'm saying. That well, is what I call a defining moment and a defining piece, yes? So we'd say it, then we have to re really realize every day we say that. Do we really know what we're saying? Do we know what we're saying? You know, most people memorize the words and they don't know. In fact, I think Lisa has Beth in the chat room that wants to make a comment about that. She said that she, the YouTube by Red Skeleton has been on there for years. It's very powerful, and she said... She's got an organization in Florida. She's with the Sarasota Patriots, and she said they use this pledge at their meetings. Outstanding. Yeah, you know, by the way, we're going to be speaking for her in November, Lou, so there's a tieback. I have a funny feeling that Beth watching this is resonating with all of us, Lisa, you, myself, Scott in the studio, and these type of messages are empowering, powerful messages. People need to hear this stuff, Lou. So that's a great takeaway. Yeah, yeah it really is. Great one. So thank you for that. What a beautiful thing that happened as a result of the tragedy in South Carolina when people of all colors and races said, enough. Enough. I like it. Well said. And they got together and they marched together to stop other stuff. And that's what America is supposed to be about. That's, that's the whole, what it's supposed to be about. That's the whole point. It's a melting pot of all different types of races, yeah. ethnic backgrounds, creeds, cultures, religion, all that. In fact, that reminds me, that passage you just wrote, read actually, I want to read a little passage from your book that's really cool. Twice as good, twice as good, 1936 to 1952. I'll read just a couple quick passages. I love this. I've always thought of my early career as a reverse Cinderella story. I started out on top, sure. There were lean times, but from the very beginning, success followed me, delivering me to the right people, pushing me onward and upward, so long as I obeyed the rules and until I hit the brick wall. What do you mean by twice as good, Lou? Well, it's the, it's the original rules of the exemplary uh, minority to make it. So you can't be good. You have to be twice as good as your competition. I've always so felt Dan that. Robinson has to be 10 times as good. I've always felt that. And that's a good thing. It can be a double-edged sword. If you are twice as good as the competition and you get in certain environments, yeah. it could I mean, every uh, even today, but I've made peace with this. 
this 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 thing, every possible thing a man could win, acting wise and social wise, right. is on the shelf. Right. Now, in reality, um, I should be in a mansion somewhere, you think, and with horses and all kinds of things. But I never got a million dollars from any movie. And those things used to tear me up inside. They no longer do that. There's a priceless thing that I pursue, which makes it even much more richer than being twice as good. But God makes us twice as good. Well, you simplify and humble. Well said. After that. Well said. You shared something with me once in one of our personal conversations, and you were at one of those Emmy Award celebrations like you're talking about there. And it was the one when Denzel Washington and Halle Berry won both for actor and actresses of the year. And a lady sitting next to you uh, said to you, she wasn't a person of color, and she said, oh, that is so good for you people. Yeah. And you looked at her and said, you told me, you looked at her and said, that is good for all people. All people. Do you remember that story you shared with me? That's even happening today. Um, it's, it's, I feel a little negative that the Book of Negroes didn't even get mentioned. Right. As far as the Emmys are concerned. But then I thought about it, and it's the in crowd. Now, the in crowd is a little bit more sophisticated. More blacks are involved now. Right. right. It's still the in crowd, and there's no such thing as the in crowd. Wow. my life. Wow. It's everybody is in. Yeah, everybody's but in. Humbled and, and do the number one thing is the caretaking of this planet and our children. And advancing one step forward by one person, one word, one sermon, right? Lisa, you have something else for Lou? Well, this is another timely, relevant, trending question, and it comes from Beth again. Would you, what are your thoughts on displaying the Confederate flag? And um, That's a small potatoes, baby, and it's only the tip of an iceberg of a mentality. There you go. Enough said. Enough said. I I love that. They'll take the flag down themselves. I love that. Well said. Yeah. Well, you know, thank, let's thank Beth, thank Beth again for of some course. good contribution. Lou, I want to just uh, this is another small passage. Still, I think Beth that book. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, no doubt about it. She's, she's going for it, right? Yeah. This one is uh, the third paragraph of, is in the same chapter of Twice as Good. You say, Yet even though I have proved I was a man, I never ignored the messages I received from the churches as well as from the people like Mrs. Steers. Uh, you're lucky that you're a black man who has a chance to go places to be larger than life. If you make a mistake, it would be horrible. You could be shiftless in private, but never in public. I had a heavy weight on my shoulders. I had a job to do, and I performed it to the best of my ability. It was a job made far easier by the quality of the teachers who led me through doors and that I thought might never be known existed. Teachers who taught me Latin, as you mentioned earlier in the program, Latin, and at age eight, teachers who had been college professors and were accused of being communists by the Tennessee Senate, Senator Est, uh, Estes Kefauer mm-hmm. and forced out of those classrooms by the accusers, blacklisted teachers such as Gus Bloom, who was the man that taught you uh, acting and, and encouraged you to go into acting in the first place. Originally, uh, Gustav Bloomberg, the playwright director who was pushed out of the theater by the yeah. ugliness of the McCarthy era. Great mm-hmm. passage. So um, to be exemplary and to be uh, uh, on your on your point uh, and be like that, as Jackie Robinson, who died of a bleeding ulcer before he was sixty, it's impossible for any man to do that. Wow! Point where it all exploded, and you get tired. You do get tired. You do get get tired, tired. and you win the award, and you get underpaid, and you get still with a finger in the face. One story I want to tell you, to and it's all lessons. I don't have any emotion about it anymore. 
Well, you know what we're going to do, Lou? You're going to bring us home with that story because we have two minutes left, and you're going to bring us home with that story. Well, I also want to point out, to buy a book, please go to theeracismfoundation.org right now and buy your book, and Lou will autograph it as well. Mm -hmm. And uh, if you have any questions, please feel free to send it to the chat room. The winner for The Actor and a Gentleman today is going to be Beth. Of course. And and the... the How You Leave Them Feeling book is going to go to Madeline. Okay, very good. Well done. Lou, bring us home with that story that you've got. Let's close it with that. Can, I, can, you, I can hear you. Can you hear us can now, you hear Lou? Me? Yes. yes. Well, uh, the day, the morning after I got the Oscar, I went to the supermarket to get my eggs and my milk and stuff, and everybody in the supermarket applauded me. We have a mascot in Malibu who's passed away. We called him Paul Newman because he had Paul Newman eyes. Okay. And he had long hair all the way down to his waist and his back. Very nice guy. And he had a shopping cart. And he had burlap because he couldn't afford shoes. So I come out and they said, hey, Louie, what's the noise in there? I said, well, they were applauding me. He says, they were applauding you? I said, yes. He said, why? And I said, I got an Oscar. He looked at me with disbelief and said, they gave you an Oscar? I said, yes. And he said, congratulations. Now, this homeless man without shoes with blue eyes, pointed his finger in my face and said, you still got to behave yourself. Nice. 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 Wow. That's how deep it is. That is that way is deep. That's a great story. That's a great one to leave with. He left you feeling incredibly uh, in spirit with that thought, yes? Yep. And you know what, Lou? You're inspiring to all of us. We appreciate the friendship and the professionalism. We want to do all that we can to support you and racism. Lisa wants to say something. I just want to say, at the end of the day, it's all about how you leave them feeling. Yes, it is. <laughs> and you left us feeling uh, incredible. We want to continue to contribute to you, your efforts, racism, the foundation, uh, and anything else that you have going on, Lou. So keep us in mind, and let's stay connected. Thank you, Beth. Thanks, Beth. <laughs> and thanks for your time, Lou. We'll be in touch. Thanks for the mail. <laughs> <There you go. laughs>